Welcome to the Help for Wounded Spirits. This podcast exists to reach those wounded and suffering through life's trials. And now your hosts, Dr. Doug Carriger and Mrs. Stephanie Wesco. It's great to be back with you folks today, and I'm still coming to you from Hilton Head. I'm out here for a whole week uh, for our missions conference on Hilton Head Island. Right now it's about 65 degrees out, a bit overcast, but uh, I'm feeling pretty good about that. And I think Stephanie just plugged in because I heard that plug-in noise. I did. Noise. <laughs> Sorry you, about you, that. You can't miss that plug-in noise. It's almost a Star Trek noise from when they would engage the motors when we were kids. Those of you who are old enough to remember the Gene Roddenberry Star Trek show, the original. And uh, you had to be a little messed up to watch that when you were a kid. People said, you believe someday there'll be spaceships and stuff? I mean, people were messed up when we were kids. And uh, there was always that guy who thought cars would run on water. But anyway, with me as always is my friend, uh, Stephanie Wesco. So, Stephanie, what's going on with you? Catch us up. Well, good morning, Doug. Um, you know, we're we're doing pretty well. I'm taking my oldest on a mommy date tonight. Um, he's very excited. I'm taking him to Texas Roadhouse, and um, he's pretty thrilled about that. So, I have not taken him on a mommy date in a very, very long time. He always ends up at the bottom of the list. So, he's getting to go first this new round so he's pretty happy about that wow man i'm i gotta tell you if debbie and i were there we'd go with you but we're talking to go in the american kitchen but then it wouldn't be a mommy date it would be a mommy uh aunt debbie and uncle doug date it wouldn't be the same so this is going to be special to daniel i'm glad about that but anyway as we go along uh is there a segment or something we're supposed to be doing here that i don't know well, about you know I, I i know that um people look to you for you know this information is important it is it's it out is there important it's to know how to spot a knucklehead so can you help us today let us know the way for the way today how to spot a knucklehead well from the norton knuckleheaded moment on this day on this friday i think it's important that you know a couple things and first of all you might be a knucklehead if you try clothes on and stuff and you put them back on the rack in the wrong place. There's nothing I hate more than going through a clothes rack where, now, okay, I wear large, tall. I wear 34, 34, 35 pants, 36 pants. I don't know. It depends on the pants, but they're always in the wrong place, Stephanie. Why can't people just put clothes back when they look at them and decide they don't want them? Why do they put them in like the triple extra large or something like that? Uh, I mean, why? Why can't we just be kind to one another? Why can't we put clothes back where they go? And, and you know, while I'm at it, let me say this. If, if it takes you two minutes to button your pants or skirt, it might be too tight. Okay? That's all I want to say. If you're wearing something that's, you know, I just, that just drives me crazy. You know, these people, I had this lady tell me one time, I've lost a bunch of weight. I, I couldn't fit into size 10 before. And I, I said, but you still don't fit in size 10. I mean, did you use <laughs> pliers and a C-clamp to put those things on? I mean, come on. 
that button may take off. It may irrevocably take out an eyeball or change somebody indefinitely. You know, it may hurt them in a way that is. So the two things you might be a knucklehead if, number one, you take clothes down, especially at places I shop like Kohl's or Dillard's or Belk. And uh, if you take clothes down and you put them back in the size where you took them down at. And, and you know, and don't go to the store and try on clothes if you go commando. That's not the right thing to do. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just saying that right now. It's got to be said. It's got to be said. It had to be, I had to put it out there. And uh, now that it's out there, in a way, I almost wish I could take it back. But, you know, we're, we're here to help people, you know. And we want to make you a better product, more godlike. And you're not godlike if you put clothes back in the wrong spot. You're not godlike if your clothes don't fit and you're still putting them on and your button may hurt somebody. And you're not godlike if you go commando and try clothes on. Is there anything you would like to add to the clothes situation? Did I cover that adequately? Adequately? I think so. All right, so you might be a knucklehead. Listen, we want to include you on the knucklehead thing. So if you send, if you PM Stephanie or I, private message on Facebook, uh, even on Helpful Wounded Spirits, if you send a message, we'll give you credit for it if you want, or if you say, don't give me credit, just use this. We'll try and use it unless it's something really goofy. You know, but we use things like if your clothes are too tight, you might be a knucklehead. So we'd probably use just about anything. Uh, I was just going to say there can't be much goofier than where you just went. What was wrong with what it, where I went? Was it the commando oh, one? Was it was just, it was out there, you know? Okay. It was the commando one, wasn't it? You could be up front. That was the main part, yeah. Okay. All right. So we won't do that one anymore. All right. Once we've done a knucklehead. <laughs> We'll try to move on. And again, we thank Sister Norton for allowing us to be her ambassador of knuckleheadedness. So here we are at Psalm number 70. And, uh, and may God bless her and her family as they serve as missionaries in that foreign land. Make haste is what it says in Psalm number 70. So Psalm 70, Stephanie and I were just talking about there's a lot of 69 and 68 and there's a whole lot of 40. It looks like almost an exact portion of six or seven verses that you see in Psalm number 40. But it says, Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Let them be ashamed and confounded that seek after my soul. Let them be turned backward and put to confusion that desire my hurt. Let them be turned back for a reward for their shame that say, Aha, aha. I remember reading that, Aha, aha. I never liked people that said, aha, aha. If you're the type of person that says, aha, aha, you might be a knucklehead too. I just want to say that. I probably should have saved that for another knucklehead because sometimes they're hard to come by. But I felt like I should say that there. And when God leads, I have to say it. Let all those that seek thee rejoice and be glad in thee. Let such as love thy salvation say continually, let God be magnified, but I am poor and needy. Make haste unto me, O God. Thou art my help and my deliverer, O Lord. Make no tarrying. 
So this psalm, in a nutshell, Stephanie, let's start there. In a nutshell, what is this psalm? This is a cry for God's deliverance. And I quick. To they, deliver him least... and to deliver him right now. Yeah. This is a dude with ADHD wanting an answer. Right, He's sick of it. He's weary. All those tears. Uh, all those different things going on. and uh, But let's let's tear it apart a little bit. I think there's some good stuff to be found here. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Uh, I mean, I've been there. God, I don't want to wait any longer for the answer to this prayer. Lord, I need you to answer this prayer right now. I think that's what's happening there. I mean, yeah. isn't that what you're seeing? There's a, there's a desperation here in David. Um, he's obviously, by based on verse 2, he is feeling... Um, whoever this was at this point that was seeking, um, he says that we're seeking after his soul yeah, um, or and they were desiring his hurt. He, he's saying, God, I can't do this. You know, this has to stop. And yet he's not trying to fix it himself. He's bringing it before God in desperation. And um, he's saying, God, I need you to work right now. And you know what I'm always amazed at is when, when you and I go back and we talk about understanding this situation and the understanding of this situation is this. This guy's a king. He's still yeah. a king at this point. I don't believe in, in this psalm he's in exile or running or anything like that. I believe he's the king, and here he is, and he, he's going to God. And, and, and both private and president need to go to God. And, I mean, when's a time when you really get on your knees and beg God to make something happen, when would some of those things, when would those times have been in your life? Obviously the Cameroon one, we know that. Uh, you're trying to get your kids out. You're trying to get transportation. You're trying to get places to stay. And how did you do that, by the way? How did, how did you guys find places to stay and stuff? How did all that come together? You mean in Cameroon? Yeah, still... yeah after Charles was uh, martyred. How did you guys get out? I mean, what what kind of came together to have places to stay, to have people along the way? How did that all happen? There was a missionary family um, in Bafasam, um, the first place we um, that where the military um, gave us a they gave us a safe um, military escort out of the English region into that French region. And so we stayed in Bafasam with the missionary family who opened their home to us so graciously. Um, and they took all of us in there. Where'd you, where'd you guys night. sleep? Did they have like a real big house or something? They did, yeah, it was a night, um, they, they didn't have as many children, but I know the kids, I think, um, I think I slept in the, in the one son's room. Me, they gave me an Emmy. They just put kids all over. Um, there was yeah. people sleeping everywhere. They sacrificed of themselves greatly um, for us. Um, honestly, looking back, I don't remember where everyone slept. I just know where Emmeline and I were. Um, but yeah, it was it was just kind of a crazy, crazy first night. And then um, once we got to Yonde, the capital, we stayed in missionary housing there in the capital city, like a missionary compound. Yeah, um, and you probably felt much more safer there, obviously. We did. It was a walled-in compound, um, you know, and then, of course, from there, we were making contact with the embassy, and um, that definitely 
when when they're close by definitely felt safer and i mean but your prayers were extremely hasty at that time obviously and uh, yeah, most you, you were in haste and and we see that there and then it says let them be ashamed and confounded that seek after my soul what does being confounded mean is that is that like being confused i think so i think where god puts like a divine fog, if you can put it that way, we think in terms of um, feeling confused, be it from drugs, be it from um, life circumstances. And I think David's asking God to confound them. In other words, confuse them, cause them to be um, in their own minds to not be able to to think clearly um, as they seek to devise my hurt. Would you, would you, I think it's the same thing as asking God to put them to confusion later on in the verse, just different ways of wording it, yeah. bringing them to a point where they can't think clearly as they seek to devise mischief. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, whenever you hear that term uh, to confound somebody, to Lord confound them. And, and I think of it too, from somebody who, you know, is a hot shot, a bragger, somebody who's, uh, you know, I've, I've prayed this prayer at times where uh, you have people who are maliciously hurting people and things of that nature, confound them, uh, you know, mm -hmm. take their voice away for now. I, I think that can be a good prayer in times like that yeah. uh, and let them be ashamed. And how does somebody feel shame? I, I wanted to think about this. I really wanted to talk about this verse. How is somebody ashamed? What, what causes shame? How does someone feel ashamed? I think God can do that. You know, I mean, he wants us to feel shame over our sin. In other words, a sense of, whoa, this, this did not go the way it was supposed to go. I lied and this went downhill fast. Whoa, this is not, um, I think there's a sense of being humbled with shame that comes to bear. Um, where if we, if we're ashamed for something we've done wrong, where there's a sense of humility um, being yeah. humble that's involved. And we're I think we're talking more than the shame you feel when your kids like pee on someone's couch or something. I think, I oh, think yeah. this, this is a different kind of a shame. But I got to tell you a good story about Caleb. So Stephanie came to camp and uh, her son Caleb, her youngest son, the second youngest child of eight. He was number, only four at the time. He was only four. So it's important we tell people. I like the way moms stick up for their kids and point out that he was only four. But Caleb has this insatiable appetite for all things rep reptiles, which Stephanie was talking about. He loves catching turtles, fish. Wait, uh, wait, he was five. Scratch that. Six. He was five. He was five. Okay. And yeah. anyway, we, we would go out. So this was Stephanie's birthday. We were all at camp, at, at Camp Joy, Wisconsin, up in Whitewater, Wisconsin. And we went to Starbucks every morning anyway, but we said that day we were going to get Stephanie an extra large drink. And so Pastor Gene Krockenfels uh, and I came back with your drinks. And we, I think I think you and Liberty were there at that particular camp. As a matter of fact, I know it for sure. And yeah. we walked into the room and we gave Stephanie and Liberty her drink. And out of nowhere, Caleb turned and he aimed his moon at me and he dropped his pants. And he showed me a full moon, and he said, Uncle Doug, look. And he pointed his finger at his backside. Now, folks, 
I'm here to tell you what I saw was a painful sight. Poor Caleb had set in a mountain of red ants. And any of us who's ever been a boy who's done that, maybe girls have done it too, but it seems like boys sure do a lot more than girls. But I looked, or they girls probably don't show their backside quite as much, but I looked at Caleb and I said, at this point, I'm laughing uncontrollably as is everybody. Stephanie is, I can't believe you just did that. And pull your pants up, Caleb. Well, anyway, I said, Caleb, I said, the bad news is you have red ant bites all over your moon, your backside. The good news is Aunt Debbie will have some calamine lotion or she will get something to rub on there to make them feel all better because I've been there. And Caleb, you got to admit, he felt a little better once he shared that with me and he knew he did. that he yeah. would feel better. So fast forward a few hours and we drank our drinks. We were in class. We ended up at lunch in the cafeteria at Camp Joy, Wisconsin. We're at lunch. And while we're at lunch, Caleb is sitting two tables from me. And he yells over, oh, God, dog. <laughs> Aunt Debbie, put the lotion on me. And my butt is all better. And uh, it's not itching anymore. Now, that's not shame. That's just funny. But the ashamed we're talking. Well, I was feeling the shame. <laughs> Or embarrassment, whichever the best way is to put it. I think the shame that they're talking about here in the Bible, though, is more of uh, feeling ashamed with yourself for going against God, going after David, yeah. uh, being confounded. And then it says, let them be turned backward and put to confusion that desire my hurt. Turn them around, Lord. Get them away from me. Confuse them. Do whatever. Let them feel ashamed. These are good words, though, because if they feel ashamed, they won't do it anymore. Let them be turned back for a reward of their shame that say, aha, aha. And uh, do you know anybody, you haven't met anybody that says, aha, aha? Not verbally in their actions, yes. Yeah, and either way, you're a knucklehead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I... if, if you do that in either way, you're a knucklehead. I just want to point that out. Yep. And then it says, let all those... That's, that uh, that seek thee rejoice and be glad in thee. Let such as love thy salvation say continually, let God be magnified. And uh, so again, we're supposed to be rejoicing. We're supposed to have that joy. And how do you rejoice on a bad day, Stephanie? How do you find the joy of the Lord on one of those days on October 30th? How do you find joy? October 30th is the re anniversary every year of the day she lost her beloved, the one her soul loved. How do you rejoice on October 30th? Um, I think you the only way you can rejoice in the midst of those scenarios, it's supernatural. Um, yeah. I think there's a there's a huge um a huge factor of God's grace that cannot be left out of the equation. There's honestly when I look back on October 30th, um the only reason I can smile, the only reason I can talk about it, you know, is because of who God is. It has nothing honestly to do with me. It has to do with God being, as he says in verse five, thou art my help and my deliverer. And without that, 
without him being those things, you can't. You can't rejoice on a day like October 30th. Well, um, but you did something on October 30th. Tears. But you did something I thought that was, you know, we all, we made sure this year that we were with Stephanie on October 30th. God blessed us. And she had Charles' friends, the Hicks, who are all great. Steve's the most knuckleheaded of all of them. But anyway. But he's, I promise I'm trying to work on Doug. It's... And, uh, but I will say this. Uh, there's probably no friend on earth that loves Charles as much as Steve loved Charles. And what a great yeah. guy to have there. Steve really loved Charles. He loves you guys. And, yeah. uh, and except for him bringing you Notre Dame shirts and stuff, I think he's a pretty great friend for you. He could get you closer. Yeah. You know, he's help yeah, he's helping us come to Pensacola. He's driving some of the way. So, I mean, knowing Steve, we'll get there faster because he's an awesome driver. So that I'm thinking I might speaks. have to wear my Notre Dame hoodie. No, that's bad I'm stuff driving. right there. But uh, and then, <laughs> uh, but what Stephanie did, and here's the important thing, she invited down her dear friends, the Hicks, and Steve gave a great testimony that night. Uh, he really did. He gave a testimony, I think, that would make... If any man has a friend like Steve Hicks and he makes a testimony like that about your life, you've lived a full life. But I remember she invited the family, her dad, her mom, uh, Debbie and I were there, and the Hicks were there. And I remember they gave testimony. And didn't you, wasn't your brother was there? Your brother yep. was there. John gave a testimony, yep. John gave a testimony of how much he loved Charles. And Charles was loved by everybody. Best I can tell, there wasn't much wrong with Charles. Stephanie's a little goofy, but I think Charles was probably okay, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And uh, no, I think, uh, I think Stephanie's not goofy. But anyway, I thought you dealt with that. You sang his favorite song. There was piano playing. There was all kinds of things. One kid farted. That was the weirdest thing ever. And I mean, that, that brought about laughter. And uh, I think I blamed it on Steppy or something, which... Uh, horrified her. I said, Steffi, why did you do that? And it was Joe who did it or something. She wasn't happy with that. And our relationship hasn't been the same since then. But anyway, I think to rejoice in God, I think all joking aside, all examples aside, it needs to involve testimony of what God's done in our lives and in people who are no longer with us lives and in situations we've had, I think it involves what he's talking about there. Um, let all those that seek thee rejoice and be glad in thee and let such as love thy salvation say continually. And what these people were doing, what the Hicks were doing, what Stephanie was doing, what her kids were doing, what mom and dad, Stephanie's, mother and father, uh, uh, I think, you know, I gotta believe this is what it's all about and just bringing, magnifying God and saying this is what, I remember Steve giving testimony of Charles and how magnificent it was. And, um, you know, I thought it was pretty great. And I think that's where we're going. If we're gonna rejoice, that's where we need to be friends. And then, at the end here, Stephanie, and as we wrap up, and uh, and by the way, Stephanie already picked a song today. She beat me to it here. But I am poor and needy, and make haste unto me, O God. Thou art my help and my deliverer, O Lord, make no tarrying. And uh, 
have you ever said, but I am poor and needy, or I am needy? I think sometimes, remember we talked, I think it was back about five, six Psalms ago, we said that talking to God, he knows what we are, he knows what we need, he knows what we're going through, but bringing things up to God and admitting them to God, I think are a good thing, don't you? Yeah, yeah, God already knows. I've told so many ladies, God already knows what's in our heart. He already sees our heart. He knows what's in our heart. Man sees the outside. Man sees the image we want to keep in front of people. God already knows our heart. Be honest. Being honest with him is the first step to freedom. It's the first step to healing. And it's admitting um, it to you. You know what's more important? You're admitting it to yourself. Yeah. I want to give you homework right now before Stephanie sings this awesome song. So practically, practically, it's okay to beg God to come soon and take care of you and get rid of the bad guys and all those things. But you need to be rejoicing on your salvation and the things around you. We gave you an example how Stephanie did that. And uh, I, think it's, I think it's very important that we our homework assignment is to write down things we don't like about ourselves or think about ourselves. I'm poor, I'm needy, I'm, uh, I'm shy. I'm, you know, in these things, I'm not shy. I'm a little bit needy. Uh, you know, people send me things. Stephanie sent stuff to Debbie and I for Valentine's. We're just to be upfront. We're picking her up like army shirts and stuff on this trip for Valentine, bringing them to her in a couple of weeks because she digs that kind of stuff. So we got to get her Clemson stuff and army stuff. And in a way, it's getting back at Steve. But uh, anyway, and uh, but when we do our homework assignment, when we write down the bad things, when we write down the hard things, when we write down the things we've been through. And then we asked the Lord to help us with those things and pray about them. You know what? He will. Hey, what song do you have for us today? So write those down, folks. You don't and, and don't leave them laying around or your husband or wife will think you're writing them about them because we all suffer from kind of the same stuff. He'll say, you're writing down bad stuff about me, knucklehead. You'll have to say, no, this, listen to listen to this podcast. This, this is Doug's fault. Anyway, where, where are we at, Stephanie? What song is it today? So I'm going to sing the first verse and chorus of Lord, I need you. That's a good one. We do need them. Yep. Sometimes when life seems gentle and blessings flood my way, I turn my gaze away from you and soon forget to pray. But when the sky grows darker and courage turns to fear, my anxious voice cries upward with words you long to hear. Lord, I need you. When the sea of life is calm, oh Lord, I need you. When the wind is blowing strong, whether trials come or cease, keep me always on my knees. Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. 
It is very important to all of us at Help for Wounded Spirits that you know your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The Bible is very clear with a simple salvation message. You can know today. First, you're a sinner, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Second, there's a price on sin, for the wages of sin is death. Third, Jesus paid that price for you, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Lastly, you must speak it with your mouth and believe it with your heart, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made known unto salvation. Simply ask the Lord to save you in Jesus' name while believing in your heart, and he will. Please contact us if we can help you in any way. God bless you. Doug and Stephanie, thank you for listening today. We hope this podcast has been a blessing in your life. For helpful resources, more information, or to donate to help this vital ministry, visit us at woundedspirits.com.